Welcome to another episode of the Clip City Podcast. This is Yovan Buha, your host, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic, and I am joined by my buddy Mo, more Mo, that's your, that's your new nickname on this podcast, Mo Dakil. Mo, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Dakil, right? Or De- De- Dakil. Okay. Everybody, listen, I'm at the point now where so many people say Dakil, Dakil, it goes so many different ways where I'm at just the point where I'm like... As long as we come close. It's, 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 it's not like Shaquille. It's, okay. yeah. 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 So, anyway, uh, <laughs> to, to more important matters, uh, the Clippers just beat the New York Knicks 135 to 132. This is a Sunday afternoon right now. We're here in the loading dock in Staples Center <laughs> ahead of the Lakers game versus the Pistons. Uh, but this has been a concerning weekend for the Clippers. Uh, they got blown out by Memphis yesterday, 140 to 114. A 26-point home loss, uh, just got waxed, uh, you know, f- from the jump. Gave up 40 points in the fourth, uh, first quarter, and really that set the tone for the rest of the game. Uh, they, they got it to around 10 or so. I, I, I want to say, no, sorry, 16 actually was, was the closest they got it in the fourth. Uh, and a little bit of a weird end to that game where Doc kept the starters, or you know, kind of Lou and Trez and Kawhi in until like the four minute mark of the fourth when the game was clearly over pretty much like midway through the third but all right maybe he keeps them in to start the fourth right. but he kept them in for a while and they never got past 16 uh then, then tonight or today rather give up 45 points to the knicks to start the game looks exactly like the memphis game actually worse they're down by 16 through one quarter and they're able to rally in the second you know take a lead into halftime they outscored the Knicks 47 to 24 in the second. And then from there, they're kind of in control for the rest of the game. The Knicks did get it to within three late after Paul George fouled out. But where do you stand with these two games? Uh, you know, had they lost to the Knicks, it definitely would have been their worst two game stretch of the season. It still might be. Um, but the Memphis loss is, is far and away probably their worst loss. They also got blown out in San Antonio when almost fully healthy and that's a pretty bad loss for them but this loss at home with Kawhi playing like there was no Paul George there was no Pat Beverly uh so and then today there was no Kawhi so they haven't been fully healthy in these two games but this is an easy part of the schedule they were supposed to kind of you know stat pad a bit and and get their numbers up get their record up get their seating up and so far they're off to a bit of a shaky start here at one and one barely um so where do you fall on kind of the, the panic meter of and, and then also it has to be noted after last game you know the Memphis loss post game Trez went off on the team in the locker room Doc went off on the team to the media uh, started his presser today pregame kind of going off on the team again so you know it's, it's not like the Clippers are just brushing this aside as like it's not a big deal like there's been some concern some you know so, so a little bit of panic it seems like some urgency so wh- where do you fall on it and, and how do you view that um with these two games yeah no there's it's definitely concerning i I, i'm not ready to hit the full-on panic button but i'm the okay no we got to worry here a little bit we got some things we have to fix and you know even though they won today beating the knicks giving 132 points up to the knicks 
that's a loss to me in my yeah. book. I mean, that's not even, you know, something you should hang your hat on. Like, you you won, and that's great, and that's what it goes in the standings and will help you with seeding. But you're walking away with that. As that's a loss, and that's a game that really, like, the Clippers didn't deserve to win this game, in my opinion, you know. And there was mistakes on the Knicks' ends or whatever, but the Clippers didn't play well, like we said, start of the game. So the last two first quarters they've played, they've given them 40 points and then 45. So two teams, like, that probably shouldn't be doing that in any quarter. Yeah. And, you know, it was just one of those things. And it was surprising considering how serious everybody took it last game. You know, like you just said, Trez lighting up the team in the locker room. Doc, I mean, this was the most Kawhi, I felt, has spoken in a post-game press conference, and, and he looked agitated. You know, and then to come out in the first quarter and lay an egg the way they kind of did defensively, there's a lot to be desired. And just I kind of went back, Yoman, and looked up the stats. Just defensive rating for the Clippers over the season is at 105.9, which is like top 10, which is good. But in the last five games, it's at 116.6, which is 27. That's terrible. That's terrible. And for a team. Surprise, that's only 27. Yeah. And for well, there's been a, there's been a, there's been a few bad teams playing some defense. Uh, shout out to Portland, um, but like the uh, you know the the idea all along was this is going to be a really good defensive team, and you could look, you could point to the guys. This guy's not playing. That guy's not playing, or whatever. But they still have enough defensive IQ there with guys that they should be able to get stops, especially against some of these lower level teams. So it's concerning. And the thing that scares me the most, too, is sometimes it just doesn't even look like they're trying. The effort's been bad these past two games. Like, I've been sort of dismayed with that, just watching them and going, like, what are you doing? Well, and I think to your point, you you really saw that in the first and second quarters today where first quarter they give up 45 points. And, look, the Knicks shot 19 to 25. Like, they they had a hot quarter. They shot 76%. Like, that wasn't sustainable. But, you know, uh, but those were also open looks. Yeah. They were like, I mean, you know, yeah, they're not going to make those normally. But, yeah. like, they were also open looks. You give an NBA player an open look like that, they're going to knock yeah. those down. So, but I, I thought in the second quarter you really saw them lock in. And I was like, they held them to 24 points. They, they had, I mean, 47 to 24 is a monster, you know, quarter yeah, yeah. advantage. Uh, but then kind of the similar thing where, where, you know, I thought the turning point in the fourth was when Paul George fouled out with seven minutes left. Um you know, you just saw the Clippers get a little complacent, a little stagnant, and then a 15-point lead quickly became three, uh, you know, with a couple minutes left. Now you're looking at potentially blowing this game to the Knicks after you fought so hard to kind of get back into it uh, after you got in the early hole. So I think for me that the thing that has been – I've noticed, and I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of trends you've noticed defensively, but for me this team is not good at containing the ball. And whether it's the pick and roll or just, you know, a guy on, on the wing trying to beat someone off the dribble, like they give up a lot of dribble penetration. And I think like you, you kind of see the chain reaction where a lot of times it'll look like shooters are open and they're not rotating. But I think it's because initially they already got beat off like off the perimeter and someone's having to rotate, someone's having to come over. And then, you know, guys are getting open threes. But that's not just because guys aren't with their man or, or, you know, just laid on help. It's like there's a chain reaction of someone gets beat, everyone has to rotate, and right. then someone's open. And that's just kind of how basic NBA defense works. So for me, that's kind of been a discouraging trend all year where you do look at some of the names on this team, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Pat Beverly, Mo Harkless, 
Rodney Magruder, um, like even Landry Shamit's an improved defender. Those guys collectively, I think, should be better at stopping the ball than they are. Uh, you know, of course, Lou Williams is, is going to struggle. Um, I think Jerome Robinson, to his credit, has gotten better as a defender. Uh, but you know, there's going to no defense is per- perfect. No one's ever you know pitched a shutout right. defensively. You're going to give up in the modern NBA. 90 plus points on any given night if not 100 plus points with the way offenses are but to me it's just been that kind of initial inability to stop the ball that has really kind of led to open shooters offensive rebounds uh, and or just sometimes dunks and layups because you're kind of mis rotating so have you noticed that too and and what else have you seen defensively that's been an issue yeah i mean we've seen it in the sense of like just in the memphis game like john morant as great as he is was able to get to any spot he wanted on the floor all night and that included times when there was Kawhi on him even today you know paul george fouling out with six fouls that's a sign of him being kind of lazy defensively as well some of those fouls were lazy fouls you know and you know like you said like uh we saw it in the houston game you know, when they were able to get penetration and in the paint. I mean, granted, they're doubling hard in and doing yeah. all that stuff, but they weren't doing that all game. But still, like, Russ is able to get penetration, and it's like you said, it sucks the defense in, yeah. and that opens up the opportunities. So that's something that's concerning. The other thing, and I really felt it more in the Memphis game, even though the numbers don't bear it out, I felt their size. You know, they were physical, and just at times I don't feel like the, this team is very physical, which is shocking to me. Like, you know, again, I feel like, you on the books, you're like, okay, Kawhi's a physical player. PG's gonna bump, and you have Montrez and yeah. Zoo and all those guys. But you know, they were getting just pushed around yesterday, and I was surprised. And that was guys like Jaron Jackson, Jonas Valanciunas, and things like that. So I feel like at times they struggle with their size, and I think that tends to hurt them defensively. And that, the other guys sort of overcompensate for that, but. It all starts at the point of the attack and on the ball, and you nailed it, dude. You, the way they just let these guards kind of get into the paint sometimes. You don't have a shot block back there like you yeah. would think that you could be like, okay, we can let this guy skate through like they're going to. Well, I, I think they have a rim protector. He just plays 15 minutes a night. So. Okay, well, you're big, <laughs> you're bigger on Zoo than I am. Uh, so. But um, I think a, a couple of things off of what you said. One – Paul George, to me, has not been right defensively all season, and it was really weird how he came out of the gate hot. He scored, you know, what, 70 points in his first two games, shot, you know, like literally 70-something percent, like was just on fire. Uh, And really since then, if you look at his numbers, they're as good as last season in OKC offensively. Uh, You know, he's playing less minutes, so, you know, the counting stats are a little bit down, like per 36, right in line. Right. Right in line with his best Indiana years. So, like, offensively, Paul George is just as good, if not better, than he's ever been. It's the defensive side to me where I have not really seen that, like, quote-unquote stopper. Like, last year he was third in defensive player of the year voting. He has not looked like that to me. Like, he's clearly been, to me, a notch below Kawhi and Mo Harkless, if not two notches below. And I think he's someone who has really struggled containing the ball. And you saw it tonight where... R.J. Barrett took him off the dribble multiple times, got to the rim on him, and he kind of almost to me looks like he'll like play off guys hoping to use his length and athleticism to, to contest or block or, or tip a ball away. But if, if they're you know athletic enough, strong enough, where they can get into his body before he can do that, they're able to finish on him or get by him. And he's kind of the one guy where 
like Lou and Trez have their limitations defensively. Right. Um, I kind of make the joke like for every point they score, they give up, or, or it's, it's a close, even ratio almost. Almost one-to-one. Um, but, you, like, with the way this team is set up, those guys, like, you know, they have to play. And unless the team is going to go in a different direction with one of them, like, it is hard not to play them for how dependent they are on them offensively. Uh, but with Paul, it's just like he's the one defender where I, I've been the most disappointed in his overall defensive impact. And you've still seen it where he's, he's had some, some games and, and performances where he does lock in defensively. He is impressive. I thought the Laker game, he was pretty good. Um, but overall, I think he's probably been like a slight positive defensively. And that's not what you're expecting coming off of a, you know, a defensive player of the year. Top, top three, yeah. it's, a, it's an impressive thing. And you would think he'd be in the running again or at least close to it. You know, and, and I think some of that comes back to, and I've harped on it before, just the, uh, the, the amount of practice time that team, the whole team has had, you know, healthy. Um, we all know Doc doesn't practice that much to begin with, likes to keep everybody fresh and things like that. But it affects you more defensively than it does offensively just because you want to be able to have that defensive chemistry and that defensive IQ of knowing where guys are and where you're supposed to be in coverages. And I think, you know, with that lack of defense, it tends to kind of hold them back. Now, we're about to see they got a couple days off until they play again on a Friday night. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's sure, surely there's going to be some practices and they'll be able to kind of pick things back up a bit, hopefully. But, you know, it, he's not been very right in that regards. And it's, it's almost – it's kind of effort-based to a degree. It's kind of like just relying on others at this point or – you know, the teams he's been on, he's had to be the guy defensively. He had to be the number one stopper. Yeah. Well, here you got Kawhi Leonard. You got Patrick Beverly. You're kind of just like, all right, well, I don't have to be the stopper. Yeah. And I think that's something that uh, I wonder if that's playing a, a role in him mentally in in that regard. So I'd be curious to see that. The one thing that is, has been good, I haven't looked at the numbers, but – just off the eye test, you know, they've been playing zone a little bit more. Yeah. Doc's been throwing that out there, and that's been pretty good from time to time. So, you know, I think also that might change the dynamic for them defensively. But this isn't the team we thought we were getting defensively to begin with. From the start of the season, we thought this team was going to be impossible to score on. And, you know, just in these two games, I mean, my math's not good, but I think it's like what's the average is like 135 or something yeah. between these two. So. You know, it's it's been a it's been a bit of a surprise in my end, just seeing how flat they've come out defensively. Now, I don't know. So, actually, heading into the season was a little bit down on them defensively, just because I figure like the Lou Trez, not not down as in like they're going to be bad, but right. down as in like there were people saying they're going to lead the league in defensive efficiency. You weren't I, as I, high I, as everybody I else. I didn't think that. Right. Um, and so I, I've actually been in pressed for stretches because they actually like started the year pretty poorly and then from i want to say halloween i haven't checked the the stat in probably a couple weeks but like since halloween they've basically been a top three defense Mm -hmm. and you know that's probably dipped lately so maybe they're now six seven i don't know but um you know that's a pretty large sample size of like you know most of the season outside of the first like six seven games so i i guess spinning this forward um, do you think they need to make a move do you you know and 
I, you know, I don't like being too reactionary, but this isn't the first time they've had, you know, they've had games like this where they had the Phoenix game early in the season right. where they just couldn't defend the Suns. They lit them up from the three-point line, um, hit like, you know, 17, 18 threes. You have Bain stepping out, hitting multiple threes. Frank Kaminsky, like, they just couldn't guard them. Um, they, they, they had the San Antonio loss where they got blown out. Uh, they had they had this Utah game recently where right. um, you know Utah's a good team, but they kicked their ass and, and you know couldn't score and, and couldn't defend them on the other end. So they've had some losses where you look at the Bucks, you look at the Lakers. I feel like those teams haven't had these types of losses, you know, blowout losses, right. losses to inferior opponents, um, or if they do, they they come out. You know, like the Lakers went through that little rut. Now they kind of bounce back, and they haven't been playing great necessarily, but. They've been playing better, and you can kind of see they weren't happy with the way things were going. Uh, with, with the Clippers again, like today, it didn't. They didn't really come out like that. They didn't feel like a team that was really looking at itself in the mirror and, and saying, you know, we, we got to be better. So, do you think there's like a subsequent move that this team needs to make? I, you know, at first, I, I think everyone looks at the point guard and center positions, but I almost look at like maybe another wing. Uh, or a wing upgrade, uh, and, and that will probably be over Mo Harkless. Uh, but you know, how dare uh, you? How dare I'm you betray a Mo? How dare but, you? But Mo is going to get them <laughs> Mo stuff. Yeah, right? like he, he's going to get them. Uh, of course. So, but like, how do you feel about that? You know, is that, is that too reactionary, or does this? Because every team has flaws. No yeah. team is perfect. But are their flaws a little bit concerning to the point of like? maybe we need to address something. I mean, I'm more on the boat you need to address the center position than the wing position. Uh, I think once you're in the playoffs, you know, hopefully PG and Kawhi are healthy and they're going to be playing a lot more of those wing minutes and getting more heavy minutes. And I'm not sure how many of the opportunities. Obviously, when we're talking wings, we're talking Andre Iguodala as everybody's kind of keeping an eye on that situation. I'm a little bit concerned about that with Iguodala. I mean, he's going to be 36 in February. He hasn't been healthy the past few years. He hasn't played this year. And he hasn't played. And that's, you know, and and I have no doubt, you know, I'm sure he's kept himself in great shape and everything. But playing in an NBA game after having not played since June, it's a different deal. And I'm not, and I have concerns about that. And his body might not be able to make that full run there. Uh, May not make it healthy, you know, through the end of that. So um, I actually think they're fine with, with wing depth. I'm I'm more concerned about the center position. Um, I know you're a big Zubach guy, you, th- you know, uh, and and whatnot. I, I still think he, they need to find another center. I think. So do, do you do you think they need? I think there's two ways to look at it. Do you, do you think they need like literally another body that's like, like you know we've talked about Joakim Noah before. Um, you know, literally just a third center in case it's a bad matchup or Zubats gets in foul trouble, Trez gets in foul trouble. You just need that literal, like, because th- they don't even have that third guy on this roster. No. Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking about they need to upgrade Zubats, they need to upgrade Trez? I mean, honestly, if they can find the upgrade for, for Zubac, then I think you, you got to do it. I just don't know if that's out there. Joakim Noah's not an upgrade over yeah. Zu or Trez. Like, it's just not. He, he would just be a third body, which you yeah. bring in. I just don't know. I mean, there's no way they can make anything happen and get Andre Drummond. Like, that's just too much, right? He makes yeah. too much money or anything like that. I don't I don't know what's out there. I don't think... Derek Favors? Favors might be a guy that would be interesting. Um, 
that would be a guy I, I, I went through because I wrote a trade primer piece a couple weeks ago and I, I went through every roster looking at like you know who's expiring or has like a couple of years left and, and would kind of make sense financially with because the Clippers the, the money on this team is a little weird where the guys like maybe you say okay Lou or Trez like we're going to move on from one of them and like let's get a, a, a point guard or a center Correct. back to kind of address that well they're not making that much money you know Lou's making eight, eight, eight million, million. Trez is making six million so it's hard to find a productive player at that level and really the only guys that are like rookie you know scale you know, deal guys what they're not going to get traded for for Lou or Trez so I think it's and then but you have Mo Harkless uh Zoo's making seven million like it's just a lot of small dollar amounts that you could cobble together i guess but but it is kind of hard and, to, and then you're creating more holes yeah you know like if you have to trade three or four guys to get one guy then you got to find a way to get you know fill those other guys yeah. you brought in and you may not have that in your in your book so i think that's the stuff that concerns me so you know i think favors would be great for this team you know i'm just not sure what it'll take to get him like that's yeah. the stuff that always scares me too um Look, it's, it's not like I'm sitting here going like, oh, my God, they're, without another big, they're not going to make it to the finals or anything like that. No, I think they're going to be in the mix. But if they wanted to be over the top, I think that's where they need to start looking is, is, is try to find that upgrade. And they might not have it. And the truth is that's the case for a lot of teams this year. Yeah. All these teams have holes. And it's very similar to what you said where they just don't have the contracts to make the move, you know packaging Mo Harkless and their draft pick this year. Like Mo, to me Mo Harkless and Trez is interesting cuz you get to 18 million. And you're not sure and, if you're going to sign resign yeah. Trez. So, you so, know, we we know Trez is going to get some crazy offers this summer. Yeah. It's a lot of bad teams out there with a lot of money and yeah. you know, that's a tough situation and he's going to be making way more than 6 million next year, that's for sure. So, if you're not sure you're going to be you even be able to resign him, then you might have to start thinking about it. And at that point like you said, that 18 million Plus, you know, you're willing to put in a draft pick in there. That can get you something, you know, and that makes things a lot more interesting. And then, you know, teams will kind of start listening. But it's going to be a tough – it's going to be – The the Pistons bus just arrived. We'll we'll see if Blake Griffin still hates me. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, wow. This is perfectly timed. Live on the podcast. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Let's see if we can get him. But uh, it's kind of convenient. I just mentioned Andre Drummond. There he (laughs) is. There he comes. Maybe so, we'll just keep him in L.A. My thing with the fifth wing, uh, which I'd be you know, intrigued to get your perspective on this. So I, I think it's, it's pretty clear Doc kind of has this closing four. Right. And they've actually been really dominant. Like uh, I, haven't, I haven't checked it in a few, day, you know, a few games, but as, as, as recently as a few games ago, the four of Trez, Lou, PG, Kawhi, I think they had a plus like 23 net rating and 100 something minutes so like pretty good sample size of these four are really good together and then pat has usually been the fifth guy and i think that was like a plus 17 net rating so it's like oh you know fewer minutes obviously but just you know that that's kind of been the closing lineup is usually pat as the fifth guy sometimes they've gone landry shamit uh occasionally they've gone like mo harkless or jermichael if it's a little bit of a bigger matchup but for the most part, it's typically been Pat Beverly. And for me, I just look at it like if we know that Doc has his limitations with certain guys in the, in the rotation, uh, mainly Zoo and Mo Harkless, like for whatever reason, he's just not going to play Zoo more than 16 to 18 minutes a night. Right. Mo Harkless 
is kind of in that like 18 to 22 minute range, rarely goes over that. I just wonder if bringing in a guy he trusted more or was more comfortable with would potentially benefit the team more where now instead of, because if you look at, if you just look at that closing lineup, you're really small, right? right? Like this is already kind of a smaller team on the interior, but you're going six, seven Trez, you know, six, seven Kawhi, six, nine PG and six, one, six, two Lou. And if you're going in that fit spot with another small guard in Pat or Landry, I'm just like, how are you getting rebounds? How are you stopping teams inside? Like, how are you, you know, even switching defensively is a little bit rough. So to me, I'm like, if you can get Andre Iguodala, but maybe his price is too high, but a Robert Covington, a Jay Crowder, a Marcus Morris, one of these, you know, these two guys just went off on the Clippers in (laughs) back-to-back games. Uh, I I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that Marcus Morris has dropped a career high, 38 points. (laughs) I don't know if that's a coincidence. He he saw Crowder's performance the night before and was just (laughs) like, yo, hold my beer. So... Uh, and, and those are guys like Crowder only making $7 million. That, that's a pretty tradable deal. Easy. Uh, Marcus Morris at 15, you probably got to do Mo Harkless something in a pick. Right. Uh, but how, how do you feel about that upgrade? Because now I'm like, maybe there's matchups where it, it's a smaller team. You can go Pat, you can go Landry. Right. But in, in most matchups, I'd feel more comfortable having another bigger kind of wing out there. So now you're going... Blue, PG, Kawhi, Wing, and Trez. Right. And if it is a guy like a Marcus Morris is more of a four, you know, a, a bigger guy. Uh, Coving- I mean, Covington, I think, is the best of the guys. But he might also have a, a high asking price from, from Minnesota. Uh, Crowder is actually not a good shooter. That's kind of the misconception with him right. is that, you know, he, he's this 3 and D guy. But he's actually like a 33% career three-point shooter. So you're kind of shaky with the shooting. Uh, but but he's also someone who's, who's a good rebounder for his for his size for his position, and can switch defensively. I think gives you some gravity offensively, uh, at least more so than Mo Harkless. Because I think in an ideal world, Mo Harkless and I just said this in the last podcast, like Mo Harkless is a thirty six percent three point shooter, not even like thirty nine percent, right? Thirty six percent, and you could play him at the end of games because he can at least hit spot up threes. Hit some shots. You you haven't really seen that from him this season. We know he's a shaky kind of shooter, so. How do you feel about that kind of potential wing upgrade? And, and maybe it's it's a bigger upgrade because that guy can play 25 to 28 minutes versus 18 from Harkless. Yeah, you know, so for starters, like, I'm not a Marcus Morris fan. I think he's a ball stopper. That's true. And yeah. I think they have Some enough. of the shots he took today were. Oh, some of them were <laughs> terrible. They went in, but they were terrible, you yeah. know, just because they go in doesn't yeah. necessarily make it a good shot. And I think you already have a team full of enough ball stoppers. Yeah. You know, um, so I think that's kind of an issue with him. I think for all the reasons you named Crowder, I think Crowder's kind of fool's gold a little bit, like you said, with the three-point shooting. I'd be very interested in Covington if he's on the market. We all keep talking like Covington's on the market, but I have yet to see anything where I feel like Minnesota's like, yeah, we're going to trade Covington. Like, I don't don't see the upside. I think that's the guy you clearly have to give the first shot. Like, that's like the Harkless, a first – you know, Jerome Robinson and maybe one of the rookies and like, you're, you're, you know, you'd be happy to give up Jerome Robinson. Let's just be honest. Uh, and I don't mean you, I mean, anybody, I mean, okay. I'm not a big, uh, I, I, I just leave it at that. Um, before I get into you, trouble, you, you've said enough. Yes. With but what you just said, but I think the, uh, but I think that's the guy, if you can get Covington, like, I think that guy really swings it. Cause he's, he really is kind of a three and D guy, yeah. you know, and can really help out in that regard. 
Uh, but again, for me, my I just like you said that lineup, even with Covington though, is still kind of small to me. Yeah. If you play a bigger team, like I just think in the playoffs, at some point you're going to run through the Lakers, and the the Lakers haven't done a good job against the Clips in the sense of staying big. Yeah. But I think when they've been big against the Clippers, they've actually hurt yeah. the Clips. And I don't think they, they do enough of that with against the Clippers. And I think that's an issue for them. You know, I think, yeah, you're going to find teams with size a little I mean, bit. They, they the haven't played the Sixers yet. Haven't played the Sixers. But the way the Sixers haven't played are the, playing. They haven't played the Nuggets yet either. Yeah, I mean, all these teams are going to be, you know, you, you want to make sure you have somebody that can really attack uh, Jokic and those guys and put pressure on them. And I just don't think they have it. And it's not necessarily, I mean, you got to throw the ball on the post or whatever. But I don't even feel like you have a guy that can pressure him on the defensive end all that much. I mean, as good as Zoo has been, and, 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 and we both know Trez has those shortcomings defensively, I just think you got to find another guy. So for me, I if you're going to make what, a what trade. What about point guard? How do you feel about the point guard thing? So I think when you're healthy, I think you're okay. I think because with the starting lineup, when you have Kawhi and PG in there, you know, you're going to put Pat Beverly in there. I think Beverly can do a good enough job bringing the ball up the court and get the ball to those guys. And if he's really kind of struggling with it, then just give the damn thing to Kawhi and yeah. have him bring it up the court or Paul George. And I think when you go off, when you go to your second unit, it's already going to be in Lou Williams' hands. So assume when you're healthy, you're kind of set in that situation. Landry Shamit's not a point guard. That was clear, especially the past few games where the turnovers he's thrown when he brings it up. But I think overall you're okay because I just don't think there's enough minutes to add another guy. So I, I think the one, the one way they should upgrade point guard if they do would be a big upgrade where, the, you know, a Drew Holiday. And you're at that point you're changing the, the dynamic of the team. Like that might be Trez, Landry, Moe, and a first and something. Like right. you're going like you're big going pieces. That's, like, the one way I would say, like, maybe you upgrade point guard. But if it's, like, DJ Augustine or it's just, like, what are you giving up? Like, I wouldn't give up Mo Harkless for him. Um, You know, it would literally have to be, like, Jerome and something else, which maybe you consider it at that point. But, um, you know, Derek Collison is an interesting one. But, honestly, Derek Walton Jr., I've liked him. Now, he probably doesn't have a role on this team when fully healthy. So you got to think, like... Again, if Doc isn't going to trust him or play him, maybe it is more valuable to have a Darren Collison on the team that Doc might be more inclined right. to, to play. Um, because the one thing I like about Darren Collison is he's a really good spot-up shooter. Right. And if you can put him on the second unit with Lou, he can help Lou you know, handle the ball and then kind of share that load. And then when Lou and Trez are doing their pick and roll – He's spotting up, and, and he, he's a you know respectable shooter. So he'd probably take like Rodney Magruder's minutes, um, yeah. and then kind of you know eight to twelve minutes a night, not much, but that ninth, tenth spot. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I'm with you. I, I think now the one thing though that that kind of also scares me with this team, they just have so many stupid turnovers, and I'm glad Zach Lowe just wrote about it last right. week uh, with, with PG where. Anytime PG tries to split a pick and roll when, when he's getting trapped, he turns the ball over almost every time. Um, he dribbles off his foot. They just strip him. He tries to force a pass. They gets intercepted. You see it with Kawhi a little bit. Um, I've really I think teams have done a good job of scheming against Lou recently, where they're really challenging him to make complicated reads. And it's like Lou's really good when he can make he can make the pocket pass. He can make. You know, the, the, the bounce pass to Trez when he's open. 
Um, he can find the open shooter that's one pass away. Uh, but when you make, you force Lou to actually make complicated reads and have to react to a defense, I think you see he turns the ball over. Right. He's averaging, actually averaging a career high in turnovers this year. So that to me is where it's like, you know, I, the maybe the, the perfect version of this team offensively that we thought they could be isn't as realistic. Like, and again, you know, they're 26 and 12. They're one of the best teams in the league. They're one of the only, you know, few handful of teams, top 10 offense and defense. Like, the sky's not falling. Right. But there are some flaws. There's some cracks. And I think, you know, if Pat Beverly is, like, your most trustworthy decision maker, which I I wouldn't even say that because he will throw some crazy – like, they just have, like, five to seven turnovers to me every night where you're just, like, they're unforced. They're just ridiculous. And it's, like – I mean, you had you had you had two tonight. You had one in the first half where Paul George was trying to hit the guy in the corner, and that thing went straight to the baseline yeah. like a rocket. Had one where, That's what I was, next yeah, one I was about to talk about the one where he was trying to pass to Mike Miller, <laughs> but not the right Mike Miller. He was trying to pass it to the Knicks coach Mike Miller, and not the spot up shooter that's retired Mike Miller, yeah. who also would probably would would be sitting courtside. I mean. It's just there are times where you just look at some of these turnovers and you just shake your head, going like, "What did you see there? What did yeah. you? What a lot did of jump think? passes, you know." Like, and, and 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 you know, even the thing with Paul George trying to split the double team, I'm like, "Yo, you got enough weapons on your team, man. Just back out and find the pass, yeah. you know, and 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 put the defense in rotation. You don't have to force the action. This isn't Oklahoma City where it's yeah. you and Russ, and then hopefully somebody will make a shot. You got enough weapons, so I think." A level of patience is required with some of these guys to start figuring out. But the turnover issue is something to keep an eye on because that can break you. Oh, live ball turnovers are the worst. You know, and yeah. that leads to transition buckets. Well, that's the other that's way. been their transition defense is a struggle at times because they're turning the ball over. And you you really see that some of these losses or games where it's close and it shouldn't be. They have 15 to 20 turnovers. And it, it, it's hard to win when you're turning the ball over that much. It's brutal. You're just giving up. The most important thing when you're on offense, let's get a shot. Let's get yeah. a good shot. You know, and, Even and, a bad shot is better, better than a turnover, turnover in most right. cases. Yeah, you know. And a live and I just want to explain, like a live ball turnover is the worst. Yeah. At least if you throw the damn thing out of bounds, they got to take the ball out. You got to set up. You get a chance to set up your defense. You give up a live ball turnover, especially at the top of the key or something like that, that's usually a, a fast break, like a one, guy on a layup on his own or it's a two-on-one or something. Like yeah. You don't have the floor balance you need. So, you know, those are the things they got to really figure out how to cut out of their game. And, you know, it's it's going to be stressful times. Like, they got to start figuring this stuff out now because they're built in bad habits now. And that carries over to the playoffs. This isn't a flip-your-switch type of team. We think it is because Kawhi yeah, has they, they think they are. They think they are, which is stupid because let's just be honest. Kawhi's the only one that's ever been to the finals there as a player. I mean, Doc obviously coached the team. But, you know, who else has the resume there on that team to really think they can just flip the switch? You know, I, I has Lou been out of the first round? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I, maybe once? I don't know. I feel like that Toronto year, maybe they were a second-round team. Okay. I could be wrong. I okay. could be wrong. Oh, yeah, but, you know. but, yeah, maybe once. Yeah, and, and you know, so. PG is. P- PG's been in the, maybe the conference finals with Indiana and had that. He's been in a, I think a couple. But, had some, but like, that was early in his career, too. And, you, know, you, don't, you haven't earned the right to be a flip-your-switch team. And there's no team in the NBA right now this season that feels like they should feel like they are a flip-the-switch team, but they act like it yeah. with how they go into the regular season. And 
and how the, their attitude about it. And I'm like, this might come back to bite them in the ass. It's hubris. So the, what I want to close out on uh, was something that Doc said pregame that I thought was was fascinating from like the, the perspective of there's been this notion with this team that like they did something last year and you know they basically exceeded expectations twice they first hung around the playoff picture you know we're, we're in the top six for most of the first half of the season then they trade you know they trade and cut half the rotation right um it completely changed the starting lineup changed the bench rotation and get younger get you know on paper worse they trade away tobias harris the leading scorer um and like all-star candidate and Again, kind of people reset. They're trying to keep their pick. They're going to miss the playoffs. They're tanking, right. whatever. Well, they rally. They make the playoffs. They actually kind of blow it at the end of the season where they were going to be the sixth seed, end up being the eighth seed. But, like, Doc said this pregame, for all intents and purposes, last season was a failure. It was not a success because they were the number eight seed. They lost in the first round. You know, they they didn't do anything. And if you're looking at it from, like, a competitive success standpoint – they didn't win the championship. They didn't make the finals. They didn't make the conference finals. And, like, last season's team has kind of been lionized to an extent of, like, they exceeded these expectations. And, you know, that was what got Kawhi and PG is they, they saw something special in last year's team. And, like, I'm sure that's, you know, there's a kernel of truth to that. But I do think, like, you know, I, I wrote about it a couple weeks ago in OKC where some of the guys are telling me, we're struggling with our identity right now because last year we we're the underdog all season. Yeah. Now we're the favorites. And like for a lot of the guys on this team, they feed like Pat Beverly feeds off being an underdog. Yeah. Montrose Harrell feeds off being an underdog and to be the favorite, I think has been an identity kind of crisis adjustment for, for some of the guys. Uh, Cause really the only guys that aren't underdogs on this team are, you know, Kawhi and PG, right? Like those, you know, they're top 10 guys, superstars, whatever, like Kawhi's, won a couple titles like they're, they're bulletproof like those two guys are you know at the top but everyone else on this team is relatively unproven or, or doubted in some capacity and so for, for doc to kind of make some of those comments pre-game really downplay what they did last season for to me as like as kind of decidedly as he has ever because you know, right. he's, he's usually played into like you know last year we built off that blah 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 but he almost seemed annoyed that people keep talking about last year keep bringing it up as an example um so i i guess where i'm going with this is like how, how do you feel about that mentality and you feel like there's maybe been some hangover of some of the older guys puffing their chest out and being like you know this is what we did last year you know we did all this without a star and um almost kind of pumping that up too much uh versus kind of the readjustment now of now we're a favorite. Now we have to adjust having two superstars. And it, it just seems like that hasn't been the most seamless process yet. Uh, and whether that's manifesting in the locker room or whether it's manifesting on the court, uh, I do feel like there's a little something there of a, a bit of a disconnect internally right now. Yeah, and this was a question I kind of had when this team was getting a superstar, you know, and, and they got two. You know, I was like, okay, now – what are they going to be? Because the whole thing last year was we're workmen, we're grinding, we're going to grind out wins, we're going to give you everything we got every game kind of thing. And they really were that team. Um, you know. And I think to a degree we kind of have overblown a little bit of them 
taking the Warriors to six games, yeah. and there's there's definitely some of that, you know. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, but the Warriors weren't playing that, hard. you know, whatever. Yeah. But you know, so there's there's some of that, and I think you you have some of that stuff. But that is a real issue, you know. And even after the Memphis game, you know, somebody had asked Doc, you know, do you do you know this team's identity? And Doc doesn't know. He yeah. literally said, no, I don't know this team's identity yet. And he left it at that. He, and, didn't, and he didn't go into more detail. Don't go into more details than that. And I think. Part of that is, you know, it's hard. It's hard when your star player is picking and choosing when he's going to play games. And you get him every, you know, he sits out some nights. And, you know, we all get to load management, all that stuff. I understand the point of it. It's fine, fair. But it has an effect on your team, you know. And it it hurts you guys in that sense of trying to figure out who you are and how we're going to be. And, you know, you can't, you know, this team needs to go on a streak of 10, 11, 12 games, you know, winning streak. But you're not going to be able to do that. It's, you know, when you have Kawhi in for four or five, and then I'm going to sit out a game. Okay, and I'm going to play this game. And it, it just it's becomes tough. difficult. It's just hard to put those together, and I think that hurts the identity. You know, so that's something the Raptors don't get a lot of credit for last year is being able to kind of almost be schizophrenic and have two identities, you know, yeah. and, and have an identity when Kawhi plays and one when he doesn't. And, you know, this team hasn't been able to figure it out. I also – I think the benefit that the Raptors had, which hasn't been talked about enough, is um, well, I mean, ki- like kind of, but like the, the playing in the East really helped them. But not just because it's the East and like that's going to pad your record a bit, just naturally of playing right. easier teams. But they were able, like, just the way the schedule broke. Because I, I went back and looked at all the teams Kawhi rested against last year, and I want to say he rested 22 games, like. 10 of the 22 came against like four of the five worst teams in the league and it was just like like he rested like three times against the Bulls and the Bulls were awful last year right. it was just like he was a, like they were able to kind of strategically plan like it just kind of worked out moments, like right, one of moments. the two back-to-backs was usually against the crappy Eastern Conference team the Clippers have not had that I mean look I mean th- this weekend is, is where you would think it would kind of pay off yeah. but um so you, you know now they're five and five without Kawhi. They're clearly not going to go seventeen and five without him. Right. Um, you know they, they'll be lucky, I think, if they go above five hundred without him. And I just think that that's been a big that was a big benefit for the Raptors was, you know, yes they deserve credit, but when you're able to rest, you know, rest against the worst teams in the league for Easy as good as they me. are, yeah. you know, they're they all you know and that was also kind of a core that had been together. Uh, a bit, you know, they did add Marcus Soul midway through the year, and um, some, you know, Siakam stepped up and had a much bigger role than anybody anticipated. But uh, I, I think with this Clippers team, it's still some of these, like Zoo, Landry, and Jermichael were trade deadline additions that I, I still think are kind of learning they, they their played way. Yeah, two months last year. It wasn't like they were, you know, they didn't have a training camp till this year. And so, anyway, I, I think we're in agreement here, though. Of it's it's it, an it's, it's an issue. Like it's it's, an issue. it's it's worrying. Like this is why I think they do need to figure out more practices and get more of those. Well, already th- they're not practicing the next two days. I mean, like that's I mean, like that's my point. Like they're that's, not, they have two uh, four days off. They're practicing twice. Yeah, like it just doesn't. I mean, that's the thing where it's like you got and they're not going to go that hard in those yeah. practices. And it's like, look, these are the moments you got to start building that stuff out and finding that identity. And that's those are the opportunities you got to capture upon, you know and all of that and and I get rest all that stuff but like at a certain point you're going overboard with it at a certain point the rest isn't helpful because yeah. you're 
your team hasn't earned the right to have that rest yet. And I think, look, they, like we said, they have a good record, all that stuff, and we're all pretty confident they're very talented. They're going to yeah, probably be in the mix. Beaten, you know, they beat the Lakers twice. They beat the Raptors twice. They beat the Celtics, the Rockets, the Jazz. Like, they're, they're, they've, won the, they've won the games that matters, you know, but, like, at a certain point, too, it's like, yo, you got to start stacking some of these yeah. wins, you know. You can't lose to a random game to Memphis. Well, you, you, know? you can't get your ass kicked by them. Like, that's, yeah. you know, what – Maybe they have a great shooting night. It's a close game. You end up losing a, like a heartbreaker or whatever. You can't get your at. You, you can't get punk at home. Yeah, yeah, at home. And so, you know, all of those things. It comes back to that identity, and you got to. They got to start figuring it out because it's. It's true. You can kind of see it with all these guys. You know, like Lou's trying to figure out a new role. You know, last year it was like, yo, I'm getting all the shots when yeah. I'm in the game. Now it's not, and it's different role. So he's got to figure it out. Beverly's got to figure it out. I mean. You were in there, Doc's talking post-game. Like, Beverly's trying to learn the post, the point guard position now. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, that yeah, that's easy. You that's know? easy at, like, 32 years old. Yeah, like, come on, man. Like, you know, so, like, everybody's trying to figure out these roles, and it changes your identity of your team, and it, and it becomes a challenge in that sense. And it's hard. It's just so damn hard. And every team, every year, you're going to have a new identity. But they, what they were last year isn't what they are this year this isn't a team that grinds out wins like last year's team grinded out wins and i think that was the fun of it too right like we kind of enjoyed the it was a fun team i just think to doc's point like i think i almost feel like it was a message to the locker room of like we haven't done shit because they they have had an entitled kind of attitude of like you know where you know even even pat you know post game talked to us and he's talked about this a few times now where he kind of just throws out like you know we're, we're our eyes are on the championship our eyes are on like and almost like some future talk that you didn't really see from him in the past and i i think he's still pat like let's not go ahead yeah, of ourselves yeah. but like oh because he'll come find <laughs> yeah he'll find me but um i i just even that is a little bit of like it's abnormal you what you're talking like we're still in early January. Like, there's you know, no need. I don't know. The teams that get to say that stuff are the teams that have been to the finals yeah. and have that same core coming back the, the next year. Yeah, and, and and that's not what this team is. Yeah. And they're not there yet. And that's why it's the whole thing of, like, they're not a flip-the-switch team as much as they might think they are. Yeah. And that, again, like, man, their biggest problem might be hubris, man. Like, that might get them in the end. And that goes, I think, across the board. I mean, from Doc giving them two days off and – all of that stuff like i think there's there's genuine issues and look it's january now but time's ticking now like we're almost halfway through the season yeah like now you gotta like i am very concerned when my head coach says what game like midway almost midway through the season i don't know what the identity of this team is yet that's a problem for me like i'm concerned you know and and i kind of felt that from doc yesterday so I think that's that's something they got to figure out who they are, and I don't know how they get there, but they better find a way to get there quick. So let's close it out. Um, what, last thing, well, I, I had something I was gonna say. Oh, well, yeah. Listeners can't see this right now, but I thought it was funny how we we were rotating in the loading dock. <laughs> we we, we moved like ten feet to the like back to the right and like. Just, I, don't, I don't know. Lots of, I, lots of, lots of movements. I today. wish there was like a camera. Like, I mean, there is a camera, but like, what, that, like that we could, you could show see you the slow mo. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, it was definitely a choreographed dance yeah. with Yovan and I today on um, the on the pod. But but to, to that end, Mo, where can people find you on the internet's uh, <laughs> social media? 
Writing for Bleacher Report. Yeah, so you can find my writing on Bleacher Report. Obviously doing several podcasts with The Athletic. Uh, Brody and the Beard, I focus on the Houston Rockets. I'm on the Daily Ding, Nerdish She Wrote, all that stuff. Uh, The easiest thing to do is follow me on Twitter, at modakil underscore NBA. So that's M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. Uh, same handle for Instagram, but that's mostly just me goofing off more than anything else. But if you just want to see a goofy side of Mo, follow me on Instagram. Uh, and that's where you can find me. All right. Well, as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. I will be back later in the week. Podcast guest TBD. Uh, but I'm thinking of doing something potentially Warriors related with the Warriors coming to town on Friday. And if you have not subscribed to The Athletic yet, I don't know what you're doing. What's but, wrong with y'all? But I, I have a promo code for you. If you go to theathletic.com slash clipcity, you can get 40% off an annual subscription. You will help this podcast out. You will help me out. And if you don't want to subscribe off of the podcast, you can subscribe off one of my articles, and that would also help me out. Uh, but I would recommend giving us a shot. You can subscribe for a week for free. Uh, listen to the podcast, listen or read my stuff. Uh, I've, I've heard it's okay. So uh, uh, and, and be on the lookout. Next week I will have my midseason grades. Some of them are pretty harsh. I'm not going to lie. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, I will talk to you guys later in the week. Enjoy.